Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. We're doing a fall movie fantasy league where you draft oh. a team of, of movies and it's, it's largely based on will this actually do anything at the box office? Will it actually get released? Oh, it's very complicated and involves a lot of math. At the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello, and again, welcome to the podcast that keeps you informed on the ever changing world of entertainment. I am Lou Katz, and I am proud to welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, you know her, you love her, entertainment critic, Jen Cheney. Well, you know her. Might be about it. I listen to you usually while I'm in the bathroom, so. There you go. There you go. But you keep me informed. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's pull out the envelope and see if he picks up the Emmy for longtime broadcast critic. Ladies and gentlemen, he's here and he's back. Arch Campbell. Yes, it's Mr. Endurance right here. (laughs) And happy to be with Jen Cheney always. And the voice you just heard is our good friend Susan Wazena from uh, the longtime uh, critic of uh, USA Today. And she works now for Gold Derby and several other sites. And Jen and Susan are experts on television and what's going on. And this weekend is the Emmy Awards. So I'm delighted to have both of you here, and let me ask both of you, what do you think about the Emmys coming up? They're going to uh, be virtual. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's be, virtual, yes. It's going to be an interesting show. Um, like, I don't know how exactly they're going to do the award presentations, but it seems like maybe people are going to accept from their homes. Hmm. Uh, yeah. At least that's the way that they're, they're uh, teeing it up. They've been doing the Creative Arts Emmys all week, and they're showing that on emmys.com. And then also Saturday, they'll be showing a ceremony on FXX. So there are a lot of awards that have already been given out, actually, more on the technical and side. Could you tell anything from the technical awards? In terms of what, like, like terms of big prizes? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking this is going to be the year of succession and Watchmen. Yeah. As much as I love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's Schitt's Creek. It's this year's flea bag because I just think it's their final season and that team is going to get it. I don't know what you think. <laughs> Plus yeah, the I, I mean, I personally have never gotten into Schitt's Creek, but me neither. I, and I love those actors, but uh-huh. yeah, yeah. But I, but I do think that you, you're, you might be onto something that it's gonna, it's gonna win. And I, and I agree with Arch that I think Succession is most likely to win in the yeah. drama category. But Watchmen is going to be. Uh, it had the most nominations, and uh, I think it's going to be winning a lot of awards for you know its music. I expect Regina King to win. I, if it doesn't win for lim- Outstanding Limited Series, I will be absolutely shocked and dumbfounded. I think that was sort of the, the show of the year, really. That category, Limited Series, I think represents the best of cable and TV. So who will, uh, the shows that come in second to Watchmen, uh, I'd watch all of them again. And uh, let me ask you to sort of go through some of the uh, some of the also rants. Well, Mrs. America's in there, and that's Kate Blanchett. She doesn't do TV very often, so this was a treat for fans of hers. But also, you know, it's focusing on, you know, way back when, when 
there were anti-feminists <laughs> around and, uh, you know, they have this array of talent playing these, you know, historical figures like Gloria Steinem and uh, all that. And I, it, it's a pretty fascinating, you know, look at what America was like back then, probably the roots of some of the stuff we're living with now. But my, my actual favorite in this category was something that was a surprise was unorthodox. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. actress is amazing. So I think even if that show doesn't win, that she you know, will have a, quite a career ahead of her. And I also, in that same category, I, I think Unbelievable was a great series on Netflix. It seems like forever ago, because it was last fall. Right. Um, I wish it could win something, but I think it's it's such a competitive category, it's gonna be impossible. I mean, like you said, every single show nominated, the ones that we haven't mentioned are Little Fires Everywhere. It's a really worthy show uh, that, that, that could be deserving. It's a tough category. So I have a question for you, John. Mm -hmm. So Reese Witherspoon could have been nominated three times this year for mm -hmm. acting and no one bothered <laughs> to do so. She can still win as a producer for the shows, all, the three shows, little, Big Little Lies and Little Fires Everywhere and Morning Show, but it just seems weird that she didn't even get one. Although Carrie Washington, her co-star in Little Fires did get enough. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe Carrie Washington kind of canceled her out and then maybe she also canceled herself out by being in so many different things. I don't She's know. She's almost a brand now. I mean, she, she, she is, is a brand. A brand. She is. shows up on my Facebook feed selling clothes and stuff. So uh, let me mention Diana Rigg and uh, surely they will pay some sort of tribute to her. She passed away this week and uh, what a career. You know, she spanned everything from the black and white early days of TV. I told you, it was all perfectly simple. We went on a moonlight ramble and we all stayed together. If anything funny had been going on, you don't think I wouldn't have known? To, you know, the best of cable. Yeah, I mean, I think um, younger audiences, the first thing they thought of is Game of Thrones, um, mm -hmm. rather than the Avengers when they heard that she had passed away. If he was so clever, why didn't he take High Garden the moment your gold mines ran dry? I suppose I'll be able to ask him myself soon enough. She was fantastic in Game of Thrones. She was one of the best parts of it. Just, just her portrayal was just great. I just want to remind everyone listening that uh, Diana Rigg, although uh, early in her career was uh, known for her extraordinary beauty, was also extraordinarily talented and a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company, which is not chopped liver. <laughs> You don't get in that unless you've got some chops. Well, one of her movies was Midsummer Night's Dream. So mm -hmm. it was black and white and in like contemporary dress, but uh, there are clips of that in YouTube and all that. So people want to look at more than her cat suit. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, the Emmy Awards, and uh, that brings us to uh, you, Jen, and what is, uh, what's coming up this week? What's new? Well, you know, I, I was led to believe that there would be this, this break in television because, you know, because things had had to shut down, but, mm -hmm. you know, going from, say, 400 TV shows to only 300 or 250 or whatever it is, is, is really not that much of a break. So there's still plenty of stuff to be talking about. One show that's uh, debuting this week is Challenger, The Final Flight. 
it's a docu-series on Netflix about the Challenger explosion, but it's not just about that. It sort of goes back and traces some of the history of what NASA was doing with its shuttle program and also the, you know, the investigations into the explosion, but certainly talking about the crew members and what a, what a significant moment that was supposed to be and, and then became significant for tragic reasons instead. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was very good. In fact, it's four episodes and I, I felt like it, it could have been longer than that. There's, there's so much material. Is it more um, like a documentary? Or? It is. It's a documentary. But, you know, funny, I, I was thinking as I was watching it, this could easily be done as like a, a another Chernobyl type of series, mm-hmm. um, a limited right. series. And I wonder if somebody will at some point. I mean, there have been some adaptations of it over the years, but nothing that nothing recent that feels very definitive in the scripted space. And um, I would be surprised if somebody doesn't do that at some point. And if it's Netflix, will they drop all four episodes? at once yes yes they, they will. is that like saturday night or when when does it drop uh it drops today um oh, so good. it's available now yeah good because i'm desperate for something <laughs> i'm totally out of things to there's watch, no way which... that whenever someone says that i'm like that is not true it's not humanly possible <laughs> if you, you go to it. netflix and you click through all this stuff i mean it's amazing uh-huh. <laughs> i've been watching a lot of music documentaries because it's nostalgia usually, and it's people I admire usually. And so I, I'd rather do that than watch cable TV most of the time. <laughs> I very much wanted to watch uh, The Sit-In, which is sort of the premier uh, documentary on the new Peacock app. And that is the uh, documentary about the week in 1968, where Harry Belafonte substituted oh, for yeah. Johnny Carson and used that late night uh, forum to discuss uh, the civil rights uh, movement, poverty in America, and Black culture. Uh, one of his guests was Dr. Martin Luther King. I really wanted to see that. And I'm sorry to tell you that I thought it was just okay because it's NBC and they recorded over most of the uh, of the episodes that week. They would use their two-inch videotape over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to do a documentary about a week's worth of shows without the shows. And uh, so I'm... I'm mixed on it. Either of you see uh, the sit-in? No. And it's on Peacock. And I'll give you another reason why you probably didn't see it. I went on the internet and learned how to backdoor download Peacock on my fire stick. And I, I took like an hour to do this. And by the time I got it up and installed, I sat there, I just watched it <laughs> buffer. <laughs> And, you know, I, I love NBC because I worked there for many, many years. But if it's not coming in over an antenna to a 24-inch TV set, they're just about four steps behind. It's just a terrible app. And I uninstalled it. So there. But I watched, I watched the show on my iPad. That's I was, and that's no way to watch anything. So uh, poo on that. What, what else is new? <laughs> Jen, what else are you looking for this week? A couple other things. One is uh, the second season of Pen15, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had a chance to, to check out no. that show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on Hulu. It stars Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, and they play, you know, they're in their early 30s, but they play their middle school alter egos. So they're oh, playing themselves yeah. in middle school. 
yeah. opposite a bunch of actual middle middle schoolers oh. um, and it's so good I mean they you forget how old they are instantly um, when you start watching it and this season in particular it, it's funny and and it's you know they go through all these awkward things but some of it's really heartbreaking and it just takes you back to when you were that age and just every interaction was just fraught with your need to be validated by other people <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's it's funny and it's it's uh, occasionally a little raunchy, um, but uh, it's a really great show. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. I should, I want to tell our listeners that Jen is blushing as she discusses this, and, and actually, so am I. I didn't think I was, but okay, <laughs> a little bit, you know. And that's that's a compliment to the show. Well, the second episode put me off a bit because it was a very much a blushing situation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might give it a chance again. <laughs> 10, 15. And then the, the other big thing that's happening this week is uh, the premiere of Ratchet on Netflix. This is Ryan mm -hmm. Murphy's show that goes yeah. back to look at the origins of Nurse Ratchet. And Sarah Paulson <laughs> plays her. You know, it's it's okay. It's not what I would have expected. And, and I have to say, I had never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest all the way through. Oh, yeah? What? I went back to watch it before I started watching the series, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Nurse Ratchet is not that bad. Like she's 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 mm -hmm. uh, she's uh, emblematic of the system and how the system is bad. But I was expecting her to be poisoning people, like just doing awful awful things for the ways in which we have built her up as the worst person. And she's not that bad, and it made me angry. And so when I started watching Ratchet, I figured this was going to be a series that really tries to dismantle the idea that she was a bad person, but it doesn't. It like leans into her villainy. So I don't know. I don't know what to say. What did you think of Hollywood? I only watched a little bit of that and I didn't, it, that didn't grab me either. I didn't like what you, it was just trying to remake reality, you know, and, and that's okay, but it didn't grab me enough. I, I thought Hollywood tried too hard you know they kept throwing things at you to make a point and and you know I just got tired of it so I got through uh, the first episode and that was it well the best thing I saw recently was on Netflix and it was this 2015 documentary about Brian De Palma films and I'm not oh, yeah. uh, and it's wonderful I I mean I I don't like yes. all his films but the ones I do I I adore so even the Fury, I, I love that crazy film. <laughs> I have a Brian De Palma story because I was a young reporter in Dallas and he was shooting uh, the Phantom of the Opera or the Phantom or Phantom. What was the name of, of this the thing? Paradise? Phantom of the Paradise. Get it right, the... Arch. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's hard for me <laughs> these days. Yes. They were shooting it in the abandoned Majestic Theater in downtown Dallas. And I went over for one afternoon and got to watch them at work. It was a huge deal for Dallas because they were shooting a major movie in downtown. And uh, and that's my story. And I think I got to, I don't even think anybody knew who Brian De Palma was, especially because that, that was, was very early in 1973. My wife was fishing around. You know, we watched Perry Mason on HBO. Yeah, I watched she was, yeah. What'd she think? <laughs> she was fishing around and she found a network, uh, Family Entertainment, yes. that shows the original Perry Masons. There's like 270 of them. And they are hilarious to watch and kind of interesting. 
And uh, when I can't find anything else to watch, I watch an episode of Perry Mason. Objected to on the grounds that the question calls for hearsay testimony, that it calls for a conclusion of the witness, that it is not the best evidence, and furthermore, it is incompetent, irrelevant, and immaterial. The black and white is so crisp, and the acting is so crisp, and, uh, you know, the bad guy, the, the villains, uh, Hamilton Berger and Lieutenant Tragg, are, are so villainous and uh, the, the way they, they get right in each other's face. <laughs> <laughs> no, my husband's when watching that on his TV. So <laughs> I watch and, and, the new one on my TV. <laughs> you're, you're not watching the old one? No, I do like the song. There was this one comedian that sang the song, the theme song, Perry Mason. Perry Mason. He always gets his man, but he's too fat to chase him. <laughs> I, I did some research, and in order to get the role, Raymond Burr had to lose 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the, the show, by the way, was produced by a woman starting in the uh, oh, cool. late 1950s. Mm -hmm. She had been an actress and studied pre law and was always fascinated with the law. And she liked Perry Mason in A Place in the Sun. And I always made kind of that, you know, where he's, he's the, uh, the prosecutor who goes after uh, the kid who kills uh, his girlfriend in the boat, but Shelley then Winters. There's Rear Window, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> So, Lou, what are you watching these days? I have been watching Away on Netflix with uh, Hilary Swank, the space show. Are you all familiar with that one? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, Jen hates it. <laughs> I don't hate it. I just thought it was very slow. Well, I'm coming up on the final episode. Can you give me a little hint as to whether that will improve at all or does it just sort of like fizzle out? I wouldn't say it gets worse or fizzles out. It's just... This sort of ends. It's more of the same. So that's what I've been watching, and uh, and I I was reading about the show and the, and how the because uh, I'm interested in how the effects work and they're floating in space, right? And they obviously are doing by cables and and uh, they digitally remove the cable. It's it was fascinating to, to at least cable on cable, <laughs> cables the disappearing cables on cable, but. Speaking yeah. of away, Lou, why don't you take us away to the world of Hound Radio? Our enabler. Be glad to. I want to tell you about a little feature that we're running every week on Hound Radio, the world of dogs. Woof, woof. <laughs> Hound Radio welcomes you to the weird and wacky world of dogs, a weekly look at what our canine friends are up to. You're such a good dog. I love you. You know you've said that to your dog. And you know what happened then? A new study shows that when dogs are told, I love you, by their owners, their heart rates jump from an average of 67 beats per minute to 98 BPM. And when you see your dog after being away for a while, your heart rate speeds up a bit too. You show your dog love in lots of ways. And there are ways your dog shows affection to you as well. Curling up next to you on your lap or at your feet is a sign of love because dogs only lean on people they feel comfortable with. A joyous greeting with tail wags and wiggles is another sign and bringing you a toy shows they trust you enough to play with them. Cuddling, by the way, calms a dog's heart rate because they're comfortable and content and happy with the person they love. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. 
the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. Okay, several things have happened in the last week or so that I'd like to hear your opinion of. Um, the Motion Picture Academy is uh, changing the rules for the Best Picture Oscar in hopes of expanding diversity, both in front of and behind the camera. And uh, did you all read about this and what do you think? I mean, it seems like a step in the right direction, but uh, I would say that it's not, the people who are, are freaking out about, oh, how, how are we gonna meet these requirements? Like, they're not that mm -hmm. difficult requirements. Um, you gotta get two of them, right? Out of four? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, and I, I can't remember specifically what they are, but it's it's an effort to make sure that there are people of color behind the camera uh, in front. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know when you put that to the test for most of the movies that have been nominated, like as you said, because you don't have to meet every single one, you have to meet like two of the four or whatever. Like I think most movies have met that, so I don't think it's asking too much to to do what they're saying. But I do like that they actually put it out there and, and actually kind of put it in, 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 in writing that this is this is how we're going to be moving forward. Well, I wrote a story for the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. And because I realized just looking at what movies were coming out, there's a whole lot of them directed by women this year. I mean, I found more than 20. And, you know, we don't know if they'll all open in time or whatever because I you never know what movie's going to show up when or where these days it seems but I I believe Nomadland which I got to get an early screener of when it started showing last week at film festivals that Chloe Zhao could be the first I mean six woman but the first Asian woman to ever you know get near an Oscar in that category so I think, you know, the Lulu Wang, I thought might be, maybe could have gotten it last year a nomination, but I mean, she could actually win too. It, it's, that's one, it's coming out, unfortunately, December, late December. Or, or well, early. you know, speaking of opening dates, uh, they moved Wonder Woman to December 25th. I don't know if I believe that even. Mm -hmm. The opening dates of uh Wonder, the Wonder Woman got my attention because I think it and Tenant were are the two most anticipated movies of the year. Tenant opened and doesn't seem to be doing too well. And uh, Wonder Woman now, you know, I think this is the third or fourth opening date they've listed for that, December 25th. What do you think about all the delays? I'm not surprised. They're I trying mean... to keep their big ticket items safe. You know, and Tenant did go and test the waters and it didn't do as well as I think they thought it would. It didn't get, I mean, it got okay reviews, but not, I mean, this sounds like his most confusing film <laughs> for people. It is, yeah. yeah which yeah, and, is and we're already something. confused right now where <laughs> exactly. we are even what day it is. Or what. I mean, <laughs> you still have the problem that theaters are not open in New York. Mm -hmm. They're not open in LA. Correct. They're not open uh, for the most part here in DC unless you go to Northern Virginia. I mean, you've got some major markets that even if they wanted to go see Tenet in a theater, they really, it's its a challenge. So uh, until that changes, I think it's going to be hard for a movie to, to open and, and really make an impact. Let me mention locally, the Washington Post did not review Tenet, and that was a decision 
uh, made jointly with our friend Ann Hornaday. And I want to quote, I love Ann Hornaday as we all do. She wrote in the paper, it's not entirely clear that the same multiplex staff members, many of them teenagers, who can't make people silence their cell phones or keep the right lenses on the projectors will be able to enforce rules about masks. And that is the rub about going to a movie theater, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like I said on, on a previous uh, episode of this podcast, mm -hmm. the only reason I felt comfortable going to see Tenet was because it was a press screening. It was a very small number of people. And I knew that all the people on the press list were going to be careful about wearing their masks. And it was like at the beginning of the day, the rest of the theater wasn't open yet. Like it, it was the most controlled environment one could one could expect. But unfortunately, when you go to the movies with the general public, the environment's not controlled. There are things that are out of your control. And I think uh, I agree with Anne that you, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to enforce people wearing masks. Um, if, if, especially when once it's in the dark, you don't know what people are doing. I mean, we can't even get people to, to keep their masks on at Target in some parts of this country, let alone yeah. in the dark in a movie theater. I continue to wonder about the way we are all changing our habits. And I continue to marvel at the wonderful things available on uh, cable. And uh, I'm really looking forward to Challenger, the final flight that you talked about on Netflix. And I'm going to give Pen15 a whirl, too. So having said that, Jen, every week challenges us with something she calls flashbacks and favorites. Yeah, so uh, this week... <laughs> you, explain, you better explain this to Yes, Susan. that sounds intriguing, but scary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> First, I give you a pill. Then we okay. see... Uh, and it gets smaller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is a, you know, I usually pick like a theme or ask you to remember like what was your first movie going experience or something like that. And, and this week, we really started to feel a, a chill in the air a little bit for the first mm. time. And, and it really is starting to feel like we're in the fall season, even though it's not officially fall yet. Um, so I wanted to ask what your favorite kind of autumnal movie is. I can tell you right autumnal now. Autumnal scene. And I'm going to go first because every time I go last, somebody steals my answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, fir the first thing I thought of is, um, for me, is, is When Harry Met Sally, even though that, that movie mm. is goes through yeah. multiple seasons. But yeah. the, the scene of, of the two of them walking in Central Park with all the leaves and Meg Ryan's got her hat on and her, her blazer like that is one of the first things I think about when I think about a movie that takes place in the fall. But what about you guys, Susan? The Sterile Cuckoo, if you remember oh, that. Oh. Liza Minnelli. Wow. <laughs> and they're waiting, she's waiting for somebody to pick her up a bus or something, and there's all these beautiful autumnal leaves. I, I know, I think probably my, somebody I knew dropped me off. I went to, I would go to the movies alone because I had some, friends who were anti-Liza Minnelli. I never was, <laughs> but I loved that performance and I, I loved that movie too. And the music was great. So. Peel the Tomato. Yes, that remember? was good. You remember that? <laughs> I do remember it. And I went to see it alone too, Yeah. because I had no friends. <laughs> I cannot believe that you're like- There was a cool. time, yes. <laughs> Louis, what's your favorite fall movie? Well, you know, when I think about fall and Thanksgiving, 
It reminds me of uh, the classic planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm. And the traveling, uh, getting home for Thanksgiving with John Candy and, oh. and uh, Steve Steve Martin, and the and the the hotel scenes of them. It's it's I don't know, just the some pillow scene. The, that's, that's it, exactly the pillow scene <laughs> in the hotel. Right? So, there you go, <laughs> exactly. Those aren't pillows. Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> They're getting ready to remake that. I believe. If I'm oh, mistaken. no. Uh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> Planes, the purple line, <laughs> and uh, electric cars. Yes. Uh, you know, the first thing I thought of was a movie called Oxford Blues. And oh, wow. The reason I thought of it is uh, I remember going to see it on a Friday night, and uh, it was the first really crisp uh, night of the fall. And I, I doubt that it passes the test of time, but I'm also thinking of the scene in The Godfather where Michael comes back and catches up with Kay. Oh, Michael, why didn't you write? <laughs> Kay, I've been busy. I've been doing important things. My <laughs> and, what a you know, guy. <laughs> the, the leaves are falling and, and uh, she's got on a cashmere sweater and and he's got on his overcoat. So that's my answer. So is that okay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, nobody stole anything. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So uh, any final words? Uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and I certainly am looking forward to Challenger and Pin 15. And my sister can't wait to see Wretched. She loves that character, and, uh, and I'm sorry to hear that it's so-so. Uh, final words? Uh, just look forward to watching the Emmys this weekend and then discussing it afterward. Susan? I interviewed uh, Rachel Brosnahan and I mm. informed her that it was going to be virtual. And the thing she said, two things she said. She said, um, oh, I can bring my dogs to the Emmys. And then she said, do I have to wear pants? I go, <laughs> <laughs> no, if someone comes to your place, they might be aghast at them. But <laughs> Susan, I just want to say that we always love it when you take time to join us. And thank you so much. And I've enjoyed your work for so many years. And if you don't mind, I do want to mention your colleague, Mike Clark, yeah. who was someone I just thought so much of. And I'm so sad that he has passed away. But you and Mike were wonderful partners at USA Today. And it was always uh, such a thrill to... to uh, and sometimes you would... Um, uh, team up, right? And do side-by-side -side reviews? I don't know if we did that. <laughs> it seems like it's decades ago and it was. So. <laughs> but uh, sometimes we did. I think you're right. You're never wrong, aren't you? Uh, well, <laughs> these days I'm thinking back about the world the way I wish it had been right. in the past tense. Lou, anything coming up for you? Well, I have. I, I, I want to post a question to you folks. Everybody's watching all their movies and television, obviously at home, not in theaters. Can anybody suggest the best microwave popcorn? <laughs> what brand? Please. I, I can. Sure. If you can find it. The best microwave popcorn is the Trader Joe's popcorn. Oh. They've oh, okay. taken off the shelves, at least at my Trader Joe's. And it's, it tastes the best. And also it's in a more reasonable portion so if you're just if it's just you you can pop one of those bags and it's like an appropriate amount 
as popcorn. But is it the buttered? Is it plain? Is it salted? Is it camera? I mean, it's know. a little salted. It's not overly buttery. Oh, but again, absolutely. I don't know if you can find it. <laughs> if you can, let me know because I've been dying for it for like a year and a half. Okay. I'll I'll see if ours has it and I'll send you a care pick. <laughs> My, mine says generic. <laughs> on it. I, I will leave you with one other thought. The yes. worst thing I think with everything happening with movies and stuff is that most people, the last movie they saw, and this includes me, in the theater was Cats. And that's how 2020 <laughs> began. <laughs> so the curse of cats. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have a little personal note to end the show on today. Many years ago, I met a young University of Maryland student named May Lily Lee. Uh, she interned for me at Channel 4, and after graduation, she moved to Richmond. And uh, some of you may have uh, become familiar with her as the host of a wildly creative program on public television. She now is a songwriter performer and recently she sent me a new piece i think you will like titled keep your distance <laughs> <laughs> about the world we're living in now so here is my friend from many years ago may lily lee and here's to you and thank you for listening we'll be back next week to catch us up on the emmys thanks jen and thanks susan and thanks Luke. get back Keep back, gotta keep back, keep back. Keep back.
gotta keep back. Keep back, gotta keep back. Keep back, gotta keep back. Keep back, gotta keep back. This is the Cats Podcasting System.